Welcome to the Sons of Technology Clubhouse. Ditch your fear at the door, take a risk, and enjoy the ride with your hosts, Joe Marquez and Kyle Anderson. Thank you, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us again for another episode of the podcast by the Sons of Technology. Today, we have a very special episode for you because we are going to be jumping into the future. We're going to see the necessary skills needed for our students to, to truly make it in the year 2030. What are the skills teachers need to change up in the classroom to ensure that they have these new age skills for these upcoming jobs that maybe they don't even exist yet? And what can we do as educators to promote project-based learning in the classroom? So today's going to be a really fun, exciting project for us today, really this thought ideas that we're going to be coming up with. And as always, we have fantastic educators joining us today to talk about this topic. I'm going to go ahead and start with myself. My name is Joe Marquez. I'm an educator out of the Central Valley of California. And if you are in the Twitterverse, you can definitely follow me at Joe Marquez 70. And as always, my partner in innovation, Kyle. Kyle, go ahead and introduce yourself. Hello, everybody. Kyle Anderson from beautiful northern Nevada, special education teacher. And you can find me on Twitter at Anderson EdTech, Instagram Anderson EdTech, and then my blog, AndersonEdTech.net. And then we are only a couple weeks out from my book coming out. And Joe, you ready for a title? Oh, yes, absolutely. I will drop the title now. So title of my book is going to be To the Edge, Successes and Failures Through Risk-Taking. Very nice. Very nice. I love that. That sounds like a, a very t-shirt worthy title right there. So, well, and then there's the hashtag to the edge edu. To the edge. Actually, you know, that's one of my absolute favorite coffee shops here in the Valley to the edge. So um, to the edge edu sounds even better than my, my coffee that I normally have. So we also have another guest with us today here. Somebody that has joined us on different occasions before and is back with us so welcome back hey zeus introduce yourself please hi uh, i'm jesus huerta i teach fifth grade uh imperial valley but in calexico um you can find me on twitter at jesus h 1979 i have my blog uh, mr and then i have a 3d print blog with uh paul gordon um that is uh easy as one two three dorg Love it. And, and, and uh, Jesus, we're so happy that you're joining us for today because, you know, you are, you know, one of those 3D printing uh, gurus that are out there doing some pretty amazing things uh, with your students in the classroom. And, and it's not just there because it's, a, a, you know, a, a new shiny tool and the kids are like, ooh, and odd because things can actually be printed. But it's because they're actually training them in skills um, that they're going to necessarily need. So I, I'm glad to have your voice on this podcast today because it's going to be extremely important. And 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 listeners, you know, we, we really want to try and stay away from the, the tropes that we always hear about when we're talking about, you know, skills students are going to need and get them prepared for jobs that don't even exist yet. We're going to try and stay away from those kind of buzzwords and just really narrow down to what we feel is going to be important. And we will be citing some research that's out there, but in, in, you know, in, in true sons of technology fashion, 
we're just going to be pulling from our experiences uh, from, from the different places that we've traveled to, from the different schools that we've taught in, and from the different classes that we've had, just to talk about what we see as a need in the classroom, as a need to change, and skills students are going to be needing in the future. So we are going to be pulling from those kind of research opportunities. Um, but we will, you know, every once in a while, be quoting some articles that we found uh, pretty, pretty meaningful. Now, Kyle, I, I want to I read something to you. Um, because it's something I pulled together specifically for this podcast. Now, I've been traveling around uh, the United States, and a part of my job is to go in and, and, and research what schools are currently doing. And so to do that, I usually go to the main page of, of each school's website, and I find a couple different things. I find the school's mission, the school's goals, their technology plans, and all these different things. And then I, I kind of pull it into this triangle. And the triangle that I create um, is, is basically the mission and goals of the school is at the top. And then in the bottom corners, I have the environment. What kind of environment are they creating for the students to reach those mission and goals? And then what kind of devices do they have to help them reach those missions and goals? So, you know, I, I call this, uh, you know, the educational trifecta. And I want to kind of read to you an ambiglam of all these different missions and goals. I put, took all of these things and I pushed it together. So this is these are from about 30 different schools across the United States. So here it is. So mission and goals. This is what I see common, common between all these districts. They say they want to empower leaders to lead. They want to have teachers teach students and learn by uh, fostering them in an environment that encourages the leaders and teachers to be visionaries, innovators, and creators. So these are these are the kind of things that we're hearing about in missions and goals of the schools. Notice innovators, visionaries, and creators. That is key. That is key. Next is the environment in which they learn. Notice, I want you to notice no school ever says, we're going to be placing these kids in rows where they're talked to for numerous hours by an instructor only touching, only reaching the front of the room, right? So none of them say that about the environment. The environment say create an engaging classroom environment by creating engaging learning experiences to empower students to develop in-demand skills. And I want you to notice when I see this and I actually walk into classrooms, it's all about rows, right? It's all about the teacher teaching from the front. So they're not meeting that environment standard that they've already set for themselves. So that's something we need to necessarily focus on when we're talking about necess necessary skills of our students. Is that environment helping to reach those necessary skills? And finally, digital devices, right? That could be iPads, it could be PCs, it could be Chromebooks, it could be laptops. It doesn't matter, digital devices. We want they, they, they say the role of the, the digital device is to improve outcomes for students, increase uh, solving, uh, uh, solving problem-based challenges, um, and then schools utilizing thoughtful and powerful smart uses of these uh, technologies to leverage the necessary skills that students will need for the future. So that's what they're talking about digital devices, not saying the device is the number one thing, but they're to enhance and help students solve challenges um, along the way. So of all of these things, of all of these things that we look for, we are looking for students to just truly be creative and innovative and take problem solving to the next level. So what are we seeing in our schools? What are you doing in your classrooms? What are you seeing across your areas or your patches? that are helping us meet these goals 
that all these schools are kind of promoting for their students, um, but you know, maybe not necessarily reaching them because maybe their environment is not up to snuff or maybe their the uses of the digital devices are not meeting the needs of the students. So what are we seeing out there that can actually help our students meet the goals of the future that they're going to need for the job market in 2030? So, hey, Tuts, I want to go ahead and start with you because, you know, I've, I've seen what you're doing in the classroom. I've seen your Twitter posts. I've seen some of the amazing things your kids are doing. I would love to hear how your project-based learning uh, approach is really tapping into that innovative, creative spirit that our students are going to need for the future. So let me kind of hit on what you said, too. I, I made like a little quick blurb on my phone so I could kind of make sure everything that you said, I like the key points. Um, I think one of the main things that lets my class be successful in regards to everything you said is um, the first part you said, you know foster you know an, an innovative you know leader a leader that can engage I, i'm given that freedom and that trust i'm trusted that's the thing i feel like i'm trusted um my principal um i'll, I'll name drop her she's awesome she's on twitter don't remember her handle but uh elvia fuentes um because uh, other districts i would usually go pitch the idea to you know my principal and say hey um you know, I want to do this. Uh, this. This is the outcome. You know, these are the standards. Um, I, I, I was used to it. You know, I was like a Pavlov dog, kind of like that. And um, with her, I, I did it a few times. And then one time I came up and I go, oh, I have this idea. And she goes, let me just stop you right there. I go, oh, no, I'm in trouble now. I did, maybe I did something wrong. She goes, whatever you're going to do, just do it. She goes, I've already, I've already seen what you've done the last couple of years. She goes, that's what we want. She goes, don't worry, just do it. She goes, if I see something that I'm, she goes, then I'll talk to you. She goes, don't worry. So then it wasn't like, oh, cool, I get to put my feet up. It's like, well, I have these projects that I'm like, you know what? Some people might think they're too outside the box or, oh, well, they don't see the connection to everything else. Um, so then I felt more relaxed. This is the first year that, you know, I know there's, there's a lot at stake, you know. Um, we have MacBooks. It's like a new program. But I'm not stressed out. I'm tired because I mean I, I work hard, but it's different. It's a different kind of tired. Um, I come home satisfied. I come home ready to you know print things that the kids made or and other items. Um, and I think that's that's the big thing from what you said. I think I think I have that. Um, what we're doing in the classroom, um, we're doing a lot of different things. Um, I think for these kids to develop these skills, they have to do something. And this whole, I mean, it, it's weird because everything you said, you put that up on a on a slide, principals, superintendents, teachers, they'll go, yeah, you're right. But if you turn and go, so what are you doing? Well, it's because, you know, you don't understand, you know, we don't have the funding. Well, you can do engineering without technology. I mean, you can do engineering without, you know, iPads. It can be done. Um, a 3D printer doesn't cost $2,000 anymore. A VR headset does not cost $2,000 anymore to start up. It does cost, you know, 400, 200, 300. Yeah, yeah, there's hundreds of all, but at least to get the spark started, that has to be there. Um, so with uh, my class, what we're doing is lots of different things. Um, they do game projects because I, I studied um, game design before. I know I mentioned it before on the show. Um, like right now, they're doing a board game. And this one I liked a lot because there's one skill in particular, and they look forward to it, which I think as adults are not going to look forward to it. But So they'll design the game on paper, come and talk to me about it as their teacher. Um, and then 
fill, put it on cardboard, make it a little nicer looking, but it's still like a rough draft. It's, it's a prototype. So then they get interviewed by me. And I tell them the day, the time, you know, have your stuff ready. Um, come dressed up like you want the job. And they get interviewed by me. And after the first interview, it's optional for the class to watch or they can read quietly just to disturb anything. Um, but the kids are like, all oh, going to be ready. And they come dressed up as some forgot. And they come in their school uniform. And I tell them, if this was a real interview and you came dressed like that, they might come up with an excuse to not see you and cancel with you on the spot. Because that's how brutal it can be when you get interviewed or you go ask for a loan or to get funded for, you know, a, a invention you came up with, a game, a video game, an app. I mean, if you don't look serious, you're not going to be taken serious. And that's how I put it to them. Um, and so once they're done, I went to, you know, Lowe's, got a big old piece of wood, cut it into different sizes, um, 17 bucks. Instead of buying each one individually, which would have been like 10 bucks each. Um, and right now they're going to make their final one. They're going to paint. And I told them it's got to look nice, you know, sketch it with pencil first. So they're going through the whole design process, but like a professional. Because they would have to talk about it, pitch it to each other, make changes. And even now I told them, you're probably going to make changes from that rough draft to this final, you know, copy of it. Um, lots of engagement. I mean, it's there the whole time. And when somebody's doing a job, that's just like a one person job, everybody understands, okay, I'm going to go do something quietly, or I'm going to go work on another, you know, project that we're doing in class. So they've learned those skills of, oh, you know what, my job isn't needed now. Let me go keep myself busy, but not really keep themselves busy. They're like, oh, well, I have something else I can work on. So they, they're building this, these good habits of a good work, good work ethic, if I can say it properly. Um, but that's just one of the things that we're doing right now. Um, it's, it's really, for me, it's satisfying to see the kids come up, you know, interviewed. Um, they take the feedback. None of them have cried this year because nobody forgot their stuff yet. That happened a couple of years. Um, but yeah, that's one of my like it's one of my passion projects that I do with them, and now, um, it's really engaging for me. Now, hey, Suze, I, I, I love I love all that. I mean, be, being creative and making a you know m making that board game and then being interviewed and, and learning how to speak. Uh, you know, and, and, and be proud of what you made. I love every single thing about it, but I'm going to play devil's advocate really quick here. Sure. Um, what, what, what class do you teach? Like, what's the name uh, of it? I teach fifth grade, uh, multiple subject subject. It's, it's every subject. Good. Um, because I'm a regular teacher. Good. Because I want, I want teachers to make sure they hear that because I think some of them maybe say, well, he's just a STEM teacher or he's like an elective no. teacher and, and he can do, he, he can, he can, uh, uh, allow for this amount of time for this one project because he's not under the gun to, to keep up with our, our reading curriculum. He's not under the gun to, to keep up with their science or math or, or ELA curriculum. And so I want them to understand that you are a regular teacher and this is something that you're doing because you see the importance of the process and that you find time to get it done instead of making excuses of why it can't be done. Well, yeah, and, and I think if you ask most teachers, um, they, they can look at it and find the standards there. Or they'll just say, oh, yeah, yeah, I can see everything is covering. Um, I think some teachers can be nitpicking, go, oh, it's because, you know, you're techie or you're that. And I know we've had that conversation here before. Um, look, I'll name drop somebody else, Kelly Orvik. She's, um, she's, I don't want to say up there in age, but she's, you know, she's 45, I think. And this past year, she learned... I hope I didn't, you know, offend her by saying her age, but um, 
you know, I'm 40, so we're about the same age. Let's just say it like that. Um, and this last year, she learned 3D printing. And if you look at her Twitter feed, beautiful work, awesome work. And yeah, she's a STEM teacher. But she didn't have that attitude. Like, oh, well, you know, I'll teach one of the kids or, or and, you know, that'll be my assistant for the year. And then you have to, you still have to train somebody else. So, I mean, I, I understand that that, that that happens. You know, they'll say, oh, well, it's because, you know, you have access, you have this. Well, look, I have five printers. My wife goes crazy. When I say I have five, they're my personal ones. And I use them for my classroom. Um, I have a set of zero bolts that I got donated. Had to work to get it donated, though. I mean, I put in the time, I put in the work. Um, it's, it's, it goes back to another thing. Um, I had, um, I think, and I'm going to name drop again. I think it's Mike, uh, Mark Laundry. He said, you know, what happens when you have a teacher says, well, I can't learn that. I say, well, then quit. Because the whole idea of mindsets, there's one growth mindset. Oh, never quit. Continue learning. We can't be hypocrites and tell these kids, hey, keep learning, but I'm done because I'm the person in charge. I'm always learning now. Um, even now, like yesterday, um, and, and I'll talk about it in a little bit, um, I'm partnering up with some people here and they have a laser engraver. I've never used it. It's familiar because I'm you, you know, I have experience with 3D printing. Um, so I'm learning that. So I'm not done. I'm never gonna be done. Because as everything changes, I have to change to keep up with what the students are interested in, what they're learning and all that. Um, but with, with that project, the board game one, if, if people want to hear, like, okay, what are the standards? Just real quick. I mean, there's engineering because they got to build. Um, there's computer science because they're designing, transferring the code. They're looking at the code. Um, there's electrical engineering in a way because they got to make sure the printer sets up properly. And if not, they have to adjust the switches. I mean, that's a little more advanced, but I have a couple that they understand how the limits work. Um, but if you want to talk about, like, ELA, it's all there. Um, they have to write a narrative as a team. So it's kind of like that assignment where you start a story and they have to finish it. Now imagine three kids having to come up with one story. It's difficult for them. But I sit back and I see awesome work. Um, sometimes, you know, they'll say, well, one person's going to write and I go, that's not the assignment. You All three have to work on it together or the company even. And it really pushes them to come up with, you know, these ideas that work, share their ideas, listen to one leader, and again, those are those are just bonuses for me. I'm hitting the standards, but they're learning these other things. And when they go out there to the workforce, they're like, "Yeah, I know how to listen, but I also know how to." Now, and that's and that's amazing because we're talking about the workforce. We're trying to get the kids, you know, involved in a process of collaboration. And, you know, you know, we're going to talk about the four C's, of course, right? Collaboration, yeah. creativity, all these different things. These are important aspects of the learning classroom because I think these are skills that are never going to go away, right? Computers can never take away someone's creativity. Computers are going to enhance the collaboration process, so the students are going to have to know how to do that. Can enhance the communication process, and you know what? Kids are very good at communicating digitally. We have to force them to communicate physically. Right, which is why it's very important that they work in groups that are that they can actually talk to one another, not through a digital device. Right, and then critical thinking: how can I problem solve through these issues? Those are not going going to go away. But Kyle, I wanted to throw something over to you because you're you're a very innovative person, and 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 I've seen what you do in the classroom and how you collaborate with your teachers. But I want to say this statement. This statement comes from the World Economic Forum. Uh, they do a lot of research on trends that are happening and. Um, a lot of research on 
um, the fourth industrial revolution that's that's coming up. And so it says, you know, five years from now, over one third of the skills that are considered important today will have changed. Okay, so that means that's 35% of things that teachers, if, if, they, if they're not looking towards the future, 35% of the things that teachers are trying to ingrain in students today are not going to be even needed in, in tomorrow's workforce. What do you think about that? What, do you, what are you doing currently to prepare your students for a future that you know, hasn't been written yet? It kind of goes back to a school that I worked at a few years ago that uh, it was a tech academy. So the, the focus was a little bit different than a standard comprehensive school. But the basis of the mission and vision for that school was based off of six tenets. And those tenets were content knowledge, problem solving, collaboration, technology skills, presentation skills, and written communication skills. So with content knowledge, that was students need to know what we're teaching them. So based off the standards of math curriculum, English curriculum, social studies, so on and so forth, students needed to know those things. Problem solving was putting them into situations and then having them figure it out. So sometimes with the guidance of the teacher, many times sticking them with a group of students and saying, have at it, you know, giving them the minimum of what is needed and then having them figure it out. And that kind of paired up real well with the collaboration piece where students were going to be working with one another more often. So this wasn't just a standard where you're going to sit in rows and listen to the teacher all day. There was a there was a big emphasis on students working together in groups at that school. Technology was a big piece. While we were not one to one, there were many classrooms that had several devices. And then we had a pretty liberal uh bring your own device program. So I had students working on different things on their phones, on their own personal iPads, laptops, whatever. And then one of my coworkers and I, there was an old laptop cart, dinosaur computers, where I think they still had Windows ME on them. That's how old these things were. And we basically wiped them and turned them into Chromebooks using the free source Chromium that you can download off the internet. So we, there was an emphasis on using that technology as well. Students were expected to present. So a lot of times we were required at least one per semester where we had a project where the students were presenting in some fashion. So I actually did it more like every quarter at least where students had to get up in front of not just their peers, where we were expected as well to invite other classes to come and watch and to judge. And then I mean, we encouraged, we're encouraged to bring people from the outside as well. like. Uh, people from various businesses in the area or from museums and things of that nature. And then the last piece is written communication skills where students had to know how to communicate in a written fashion, not just by like writing essays or whatever, but also students were expected to use their email. And then I started using social media. I was, when I first got on Twitter, my uh, Twitter account originally was to communicate with students. It, it's now morphed into what it is now where it's more of a building a network for myself but I do still have some former students on there that they'll I'll communicate with them occasionally on there just to see how they're doing kind of deal but um, so we had those six tenets to kind of build off everything and while I'm no longer at that school I do try to build those things into what I'm doing at my school now it, it is a little bit tougher not having my own class as a co-teacher I can't just walk in and say, this is what I want to do. I have to work with my co-teacher. So 
there are some different things where I'm not I'm not necessarily able to do the presentation thing as much because the those that I'm working with uh, for co-teaching they're they're not into the presentation thing as much so I'm I'm working on that but a lot of those other things the content knowledge obviously that's that's every school okay that's not that is not a brand new concept right there okay the problem solving part okay working on that collaboration working on it okay the technology piece that is something I've been really working on with my co-teachers is incorporating that more in uh, and then again the presentation skills still still trying to incorporate that more and then the written communication pieces that that's another one I feel like that's not a new concept teachers have been doing that forever but one thing I do notice is that we're not doing it in a more quote-unquote non-traditional ways where if you look at the common core standards for English one of the uh, standards in Common Core is that students are going to write things and they're going to publish them on the internet, things like blogs and whatnot for a global audience. And that's something I don't necessarily see as much uh, in my school currently. So something else that we need to work on. No, and then everything that you're talking about, you know, it, it, it sounds kind of intuitive, like, yeah, of course we want classrooms to run that way. Yeah, of course we want students to be in an environment where self-discovery is key. But, you know, you walk into a lot of these classrooms and, you know, you could probably transport a student from the 90s into a classroom today and, and not see much of a difference other than maybe some digital devices on the desks, right? And, and, and you know, what, what, what really strikes me is that, you know, uh, Jesus and, and Kyle, I want you to think about a kindergartner's classroom okay so i just want you to close your eyes and think about a kindergartner's classroom what do you see in that classroom right now like like if you're imagining walking into a fellow peers kindergartner classroom what are you seeing that is different than a traditional fifth or sixth grade or secondary classroom in kindergarten? Yep, in a kindergarten classroom, like the setup, the way the kids are talking, the way the kids are moving around. What do you see different in a kindergarten classroom compared to something uh, a little bit higher up, like fifth or sixth or secondary? I mean, I I, I feel like the creativity there is, is still there. Um, I know that their standards have changed and there's more expectations from them. So that might be like on the way out, which is terrible. Um, but I, I feel like um, when you're in kinder, there's a lot of learning through play because, and I think this is the reason why the creativity goes away, because you know what? They come in and they're still kids. They haven't learned, oh, I can't talk? Okay, I'll get that drilled into me over the next couple of years. Um, oh, I, I can't get up because you know I need to sharpen my pencil. I need to ask permission, even though my teacher's probably gonna say yes. Okay, let me get that drilled into me. And when you get that drilled into you, you're like, well, I had all this freedom in this first year, you know, that I was in school or first couple of years, you know, kinder and first, um, you know, I was, you know, able to do all the stuff. Okay, so then what happened? Did I do something wrong? Also, this place is not really what I thought it was. And as you continue, you start getting ridiculous things like, oh, well, you, here's your tickets for the bathroom. You only can go five times in a semester. Imagine if you told a teacher that during a PD, oh, you're not allowed to go to the restroom, you need to ask permission. They would turn around and clap back on you and be like, what? I'm sorry, what did you say? But these little ones, we expect them to. So then, you know, they're they're told, don't do anything, 
without asking. And then we expect them to come out of high school and be independent and be able to do all these things. And we're like, why did they always ask permission? Or how come they don't know how to get started? Because we took that away from them. That's what happened. I think the mind. And I think that this, you know, it's just with that, they used to play, right? Yeah. Learning through play, learning through self-discovery, learning, you know, because that's what I see. When I see a kindergarten classroom, I see that, you know, you have a kindergarten teacher that, that has that, that has a reign of the classroom. Like they know how far they can let the kids go before they have to kind of rein them in. But they give them this kind of free freedom to, to, to learn, to play, to learn from each other, to, to just, you know, sit in these different groups. And they have these, these different kinds of furniture. It, it, it is conducive for the kids to want to be there, to learn together, and to explore. And I, and I think you're absolutely right. As we get older, we place these rules on top of our students that kind of constricts their idea of what a classroom could be. And so as they get older, yeah, maybe you're sitting in groups of four, but they become a static group of four. You're not really moving them around. Or they're yeah. still in rows. Or like you said, they're placed in the, don't talk unless, unless you raise your hand. You can't go to the bathroom unless you use one of your tickets. You can't get up to sharpen your pencil unless you ask first. But it, it seems to me that you have all these things where the teacher has to be asked if, for them to do something rather than, you know, the teacher, you know, kind of like the way you talking about your principal, right? You felt like you had to go to the principal and say, hey, I'm looking to do this. Can I? And your principal, instead of saying, thank you for asking me, is like, I know what you can do. Just do it. If I see you doing something wrong, then I will come in and interject, Right. Why can't yeah. we have that in the classroom? Like, hey, here's the problem we have. Here's the here's the thing we're trying to uh, find a solution for. Figure it out as a group. And of course, you're going to give them resources and things that they can go to to find that information. You know, I mean, you're going to lead them to success, but you're still just leading them. You're not you're not going to be that one person that walks them through the beginning and the end and telling them how they have to learn it. And so, I think that playfulness, that opportunity to really understand how they can create to creatively solve a problem, how they can creatively, uh, I think I just made that word up, creatively <laughs> go in and, and, and figure out a different way of doing things. I think that's, you know, that's something that, that we've lost. And, and, I, and I know I'm being very general because we have some amazing listeners out there and they're probably, that's saying, you know, that's not the way that I run my class. And I do have a classroom that's there for discovery. I, I understand we have amazing listeners. Uh, but just traveling as much as I have, I've noticed that that's, that's not the norm. Um, and then the norm is the teacher has control. The teacher is the one that has the end-all, be-all say of everything. And it's this is my class, and this is the way things are going to be done. And I think we, we lose out on that fact um, from looking, you know, from, from, from being so far removed from kindergarten. And, and if we can look back at a kindergarten class on how it's set up and how the kids can roam and how the kids have self-discovery, if we can at least take some of those skills for that our amazing kindergarten teachers instill in our students and then kind of upgrade it um, to, to a, a more adult version of it but still allowing that freedom, I think we are really going to see that are the, the skills needed for um, the future are going to thrive. And, and, and once again, let me, let me go back to some research, right? So, um, so the World Economic Forum, they, they, they did research uh, with all the industry leads uh, across the world. And what they're showing is that these, the skills that used to be needed are, uh, that are going down um, are, 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 are pretty amazing. Like, so they said in 2015, the number one thing 
uh, that people need to know is complex problem solving. And that's still the case. In the future, we need people to be able to have a, a way to, to solve problems that are complex because AI is not going to be able to do it. That's a, that's, a, that's a skill that humans have, right? But things like people management and negotiation and service orientation, those are the top skills in 2015. They're almost down towards the bottom now. So it says that the skills we need today, not in the future, the skills we need today are, number one, complex problem solving. Two, being able to have a critical thinking mindset. Three, uh, creativity. Um, four, coordination with others. Um, you know, and so the things that we need to be teaching our kids, I think we're kind of removing from them because we're kind of just saying, here's the way the, 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 the year is going to go. Here's our agenda for the day. This is what I expect of us going through. I, you know, instead of saying, you know what, here's a problem that we have. How would we solve it? Right? Making it more of a discovery kind of idea. And, you know, I'm coming from a science background. And in a science background, you know, we would have our essential question for the day. Like class, here's the problem in the world. Here's the, here's the essential question we're trying to solve. Let's use our resources. Let's talk to each other. Let's figure out a way to solve that problem or come up with an answer, right? So I'm not giving them all the resources. I may guide them to some areas that they may not understand, but I'm letting them as a group come up with responses. And whether they're right or wrong, at least we're going to have a discussion on, on, on what is important information, what's not so important, and then as a group kind of come to a consensus of how we would solve that problem or answer that essential question. So, and, and you you mentioned um, the creativity part and all that. Um, I think right now that's probably going to jump up higher because I know we, we talked before we started reporting that, I mean, the, the list you have, is, it's only four years old, but the last four years have changed a lot. Um, so I am, I mean, my, my, my passion also is 3D using the classroom because, um, you know, we have 3D printed homes. They can be done in 24 hours. Cost is less. Um, it's, 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 it's amazing. Well, last week, um, this group in, I wanted to say France, I think it's France. What they developed is a technology and a technique for 3D printing where they have a cylinder with resin in it, a special type of resin, and then there's three or four cameras that spin around and they flash the image, the 3D image of whatever you're gonna make. So it, it, there's this little boat, it's like a stress test for your printer. When you get a new one, you print it, and okay, if, if this part messed up, you know, you wanna adjust this or maybe do that. Um, the size that they printed in that thing, it's probably like an inch, it's a few millimeters. It'd probably take me 10, 15 minutes, you know, at a decent quality, right? Um, they printed it in 10 seconds. So we're talking 10 seconds, higher quality than what I'm doing. Um, no support, so I don't have to worry about breaking something that's important to the model. Um, in seconds, like I could go make my cup of coffee and that thing's been sitting there probably longer than, you know, let me put it like this. It probably takes longer to set up the print than the print actually working ah. because it's so fast. And, yeah, it's in its infancy right now, literally. But, I mean, now somebody's going to see that and say, hey, I have this idea for it. Or, hey, and that's what we want the students to have, that creativity. They see something and say, you know what? I want to piggyback off of that. Or, you know what? That's giving me a different idea. It's going to go this way. But I have this idea because I saw that and I have 
that mindset of, you know what, how can I take that and change something else? Well, yeah, absolutely. And, and, and Kyle, you know, are, are you seeing a, a difference in pedagogical approaches in, in your school or, or in, in places that you've trained based upon devices being placed in the classroom? Or, or are you seeing kind of the same teaching style just with kind of technology occasionally rolled in to various aspects? As much as I'd like to say, yes, it is changing. I am going to be the Debbie Downer here for a second, and I'm not seeing a lot of that. And a lot of it is what I like to say is that a lot of the devices are glorified worksheet machines where what you've got is teachers that typically would just give out a worksheet or some other independent activity they're still doing it just on a device where now fill out this PDF version or Google Docs version of the worksheet instead. And you know that's their way of incorporating the technology. I don't see as much creativity out there as there really should be, especially when you've got one-to-one -one devices. So, and, and a lot of the reason behind that, I, I've been thinking about this for quite a while as we've been talking here, is that old habits die hard. And yep. it's something that, you know, if a teacher, especially if a teacher's been working for a long time in the industry, where something that they've been doing for a long time or something they perceive even to have worked for a long time, there's that whole attitude, if it ain't broke, why fix it? So, so you got a lot of that. And then there's also, while there are a lot of teachers out there that like to collaborate, come up with uh, new ideas and try to implement things, there's also this silo mentality with a lot of people too, like where... There's this belief like, well, I don't need this help. Why, why should I work with other people? So there's a lot of teachers out there that are still trying to do it on their own too. And we've said this on the show before that if you're doing it on your own, you're doing it wrong. And it, it's just something that it's just because it's that old habit and those old habits just die hard. And there's no easy way to shift that mindset. It's one of those things that as individuals, if you are the one trying to collaborate with others, trying new things, you just got to show people what you're doing and try to convince them. You're, you're not going to be able to walk in the room and say, this is what I'm doing. You need to start doing this too. Because if anything, that's just going to cause resentment and people are going to be even more apt to just stick with what the old status quo is instead of trying to shift to a new way of doing things and a more effective way of doing things. So, you know, it's, it's unfortunate that that's the way it is, but I see it in my school. I see it in schools where I've gone and done trainings. I've seen it in former schools that I work at. It's, it's not just one certain school. And I'm not saying this is every school. There's a lot, there's a lot of schools where there's a lot of great things happening, but even in those schools, there are still going to be pockets of people that this is the case where they're not, they're not wanting, willing to change and they're not doing anything new and innovative. They're just trying to do the same old, same old because that's what easy or quote unquote, this is what has worked for a long time. Why should I change things? You know, so I, I want to throw a quote out to you um, to, to kind of, you know, kind of uh, nail this, this, this idea down because if, if all we're doing right is placing digital devices in the classroom and hope the teachers are going to know how to use it or taking them through a couple days of PD and showing them how you can truly utilize these devices and then just leaving them off on their own again. Once again, you know, old habits die hard. And so if you do this new thing with the teacher and they, they see a benefit in it, they're going to always, you know, unless you're constantly going in, 
and, and doing like another round of PD, refresher PD, they're going to kind of go back to their old ways. And so this is a quote from Sir Ken Robinson. Uh, and, and I'll tell you, one of my goals is to be called Sir one of these days. I want to be knighted <laughs> by somebody. But Sir Ken Robinson says this, if we are looking for new pedagogical practices, we have to have facilities that will enable those to happen. So you want flexible spaces where people can group and regroup, where you're not stuck in one configuration with teachers only at the front. So the idea here is, Sir Ken Robinson is saying, you're not going to see any pedagogical shifts if all you're doing is placing devices on the desks that are still meant to be facing forward and the teachers teaching from the front. You're just going to have glorified worksheets, exactly like you said, Kyle, because you're not changing anything other than the delivery and the, re and the reception. But if you go in and completely change the way the classroom looks and feels and moves and, and everything like that, you're, you're really putting the teacher kind of in this different mindset where a pedagogical shift can truly take place because it looks like the entirety of the room is different now, not just the application of the devices. And then also, uh, one more quote, and this is from Maria Montessori, and, and there's a lot of schools based upon her, her practices and things like that. But, and, but the one thing I want to say is this quote always, always uh, means a whole lot to me, and it's, children do not learn by obeying rules or reproducing behavior, but by discovering and exercising their own strengths and abilities in an environment suited to that self-determination. And that's exactly, Jesus, what you've said. That's exactly, Kyle, what you've said. Students learn by self-discovery. Students learn by being able to talk with students and come up with a problem-solving solution. Students learn best by doing. And what, notice I'm saying learn, not memorize, right? Not replicate. Because anybody can memorize, anybody can replicate an answer you want them to give. But to truly learn something, to truly take something to heart, they need to see all the information and inside critically think, how would I solve this? And then produce something that they can say, this is how I would solve it, coming from internally or from a group structure. And that's what needs to happen. We need that idea that the teacher doesn't have to give every single student a path towards what this is the beginning and this is how I want you to get to the end. It's, it should just be, you know what, here's the beginning question. In the end, this is kind of what I want you to know. You decide how to get from A to B. And it doesn't have to be my straight line. You can get there by meeting all these different requirements. And I think, you know, teachers need to start letting go of I'm going to make this 23-page lesson plan and stick to it and more along the lines of this is a problem I want my kids to figure out how to solve. And by this, by this time, we're going to get there and we're going to figure out as a group how we're going to get there. Constantly changing things up because every student learns differently. And once again, by exercising their own strengths. Some kids may be very good, good at organization. Some kids may be very good at visuals. Some kids may very, be very good at speaking publicly. Let them all work in groups to exercise their own strengths. And then there has to be an environment that's suited to that. Not sitting in rows, staring at front from one person talking at them and saying, here, click this button so I get your response. Right as a glorified worksheet. Let's use these devices to really hone in on those skills that, that is needed. Innovation, creativity, active learning, leadership. These are the skills that our students are going to need and they will never go away. Humans will never, never, never need innovation to be taken away from them. 
That's going to always be a skill needed. Creativity is what separates us as human beings from everything else. Being creative, that is never going to go away. Actively learning, right? Not just being talked at and memorizing, actively learning, being a part of the process from beginning to end and learning leadership. Right. How, you know, you know, setting somebody up as, as the leader of a group, getting getting people to bring people together. These are skills that will never go away. So even when we hear people say, well, how are we going to prepare our kids for jobs that, that don't don't even exist yet? Well, these four things, innovation, creativity, active learning, leadership, these will never go away. So even if you don't know those new skills, those 35% of new skills that are going to be needed in the future, at least you know these four, which will never go away. So let's encourage our kids to be best at innovation, best at creativity, best at active learning, best at leadership, right? And the rest, right, we can come to as a community, as, as a group of learners. So these are things I think we need to instill daily in our classroom and ask ourselves, does my lesson does my lesson allow my students to innovate does my lesson allow my students to showcase their creativity does my lesson allow for active learning where they can be the learners of self-discovery and does my curriculum help my students become leaders whether it's in a group or uh, within a classroom environment if we can ask ourselves these questions and say yes to all four then we are down the right path but if we're saying no to the majority of these it's us as teachers that need to shift on how we're presenting a lesson and really tear towards these ideas um, that the World Economic Forum says as these are the skills that will never go away, no matter what industrial revolution we are in. I, I Everything you said I agree with. Um, it, it's, yeah, I don't know if I could add anything to that because, I mean, it's exactly what we need to do. And, you know, one of the complaints you get from other teachers sometimes is, oh, I have this group and they don't know how to talk to each other. They're always on their, their phones. You know, that's why they don't know how to talk, say, face to face. So if you recognize that, then what are you doing to change that? What are you going to do to change that thing that, not that it's wrong with them, but you know, they've never had that opportunity. So what are you going to do about it? And I think um, that whole mentality of control, I have to have control of the classroom. You can have control and creativity and everything else. You just have to be willing to step back and say, look, I'm not the sage in here. That's okay. The students, by third, fourth grade, they already know we're not the smartest people in the classroom sometimes. And it's okay. We can let that go. What we need to be is that person to show them how to learn, to show them that, you know what, hey, okay, you're not interested in this. That's okay. But you know what? Let me show it to you. So you, this, you get a taste of it. And you know what? It's not your thing. That's all right. It's like I have some that love podcasting. I have some that actually never use the VR when their name comes up. They're like, I just don't really like it. Okay. And they use the creative tools in it and everything, and they just, they're okay with that. But at least I can say to myself, you know what? I gave them exposure. And along the way, they're learning these other skills. So it's just one of those things, though, that, like, again, just kind of going back to what I was saying about just those old habits and everything, like, what do we really do to try to shift that mindset, though? So, I mean, it's one thing you as an individual can help shift the mindset in your classroom with yourself and with your students. Like, hey, just like you were saying about 
students that they, they don't talk to each other, they don't communicate with each other. You as an individual can have an impact on that, but what are really the ways that we shift that mindset with our colleagues and with people outside of our school? Like, what, what kind of ideas do we have for that? Because I think that's the big one. So lots of people can do things in regards to classroom management and fixing things within their room. It's that collaboration piece outside of it. So, so what do we do about that? That's the big question. So, you know, we, we, have, to, we have to start looking at ourselves as individuals and, and start looking at ourselves as, as once again, leaders on our campus. And, and so if you are creating these amazing immersive lessons, these lessons that are really getting your kids involved, that are really stoking that creativity and that, that active learning process in the classroom, you need to share that out with your staff. You need to share that out on your social media channels. You need to share it out and, and be honest as well. Like what worked, what didn't, what did you tweak to make it better along the way? And by sharing these things out, you know, I would hope that it wouldn't look like you're just going in and telling one teacher, hey, this is what I did, you need to start doing it this way. Just by sharing it out, hopefully it's kind of like throwing a hook out there. You know, hopefully I, I catch one teacher willing to try. But constantly going out and putting yourself out there as the leader on your campus, even if you don't see anybody following you yet. And I'll tell you, that's exactly what the Sons of Technology are, are all about, right, Kyle? The Sons of Technology, the reason we started this podcast, the reason we started this movement is to let teachers know that you are not in this by yourself. Um, you are not that lone wolf on your campus. You need to be a part of something bigger. You need to be a part of a group who is willing to go out and make the change on a daily basis, right? And so with the Sons of Technology is about, you know, individually, you can't really do anything. But as an army, we can win this war. That's where the EdTech army comes in, right? And so, and we always encourage our listeners to fill out our EdTech army Flipgrid to talk about how you are going to be of the EdTech army. But the idea is you know, share, share. So it doesn't seem like it's only happening in pockets or corners of various schools. We need to share to make it seem like the norm. And that, that we're doing this to better ourselves daily and to better our kids and to better our society and to better the world. Because the status quo isn't working. And if you, and if you look, I mean, if you read article after article after article about education, we are... We are we we're seeing that education is under fire, and they're saying it's not working. So let's ba let's band together as a group of educators and say, yeah, it's working, and this is how it's going to work even better. And so I think that's the important key to this is making sure that teachers know that if you're doing it alone, you're doing it wrong. If we're doing it together, that's where the difference actually occurs. We understand that we're treating kids with care and kindness and cultivating creativity and innovation. Then we're doing the right thing. So we just have to stop saying, well, we don't even know the skills they're going to need. Well, yes, we do. We just mentioned the four that will never go away. So let's focus on those, and the rest will fall in. And I think that's how we can make that difference, is to make sure we know that, that if we're doing it by ourselves, we're never going to make that difference. We have to constantly and continually get others to join our movement, to join the EdTech Army. 
Yeah, and well, when, whenever it comes to these episodes, uh, Joe, you and I usually have a conversation the day, days leading up to recording. What do we want to talk about this week? And we usually come up with the ideas ourselves, but um, this one actually came from the outside. Somebody that is a listener that um, that actually was a guest on my other podcast one time, the Beer Edu podcast, uh, Dr. Edward C., uh, from Calgary, Alberta, he got a hold of us and said, you know, this is a topic I feel very passionately about, and I was wondering if you guys would want to talk a little bit about on Sons of Technology, and I, I told him uh, absolutely that this was a conversation that should be had, so I want to give him some credit for giving us the idea for today's episode, and he did share a handful of blog posts that he has written for the company that he works for, Nui Tech. Um, and uh, we'll put in the show notes a link to where you can check out these blog posts. And then uh, he also has a YouTube channel where he's sharing out some different things as well. And we'll put a link to his YouTube channel in there as well. So you can kind of check out some of the things that he's doing with video lessons and then some of these future job skills. And then, uh, Joe, you did a great job of finding some different things out there, too, like the World Economic Forum and whatnot on some of these skills. So um, kudos to you as well. Yeah, and, and, you know, listeners, if we missed anything, you know, remember, we, we, we don't define ourselves as experts in the field. We define ourselves as boots on the ground, and we're just reporting back to what we see and what we feel and, and, and things like that. So if we missed anything, if we missed an article that you're like, but this article is very important, you should post it, or, or you know, these skills are very important. I just recently read an updated version of the World Economic Forum, and if we missed anything, please, please, please let us know. Because um, conversations and communication is the only way that we can better ourselves, and we'll definitely add those to our show notes as well. Um, but we just want to make sure everybody knows that hey, you know, if we missed anything or, or we misconstrued anything, we are so educators at heart, a little bit about and we are just discussing the- it from a passion of making sure that we're making a difference, and and, and that's where we're coming from. Um, so you know, I, I wanted to uh, say thank you again to the doctor for giving us this uh, this idea to talk about on the podcast today. Uh, and, and we always, always, always want to hear from you. So if there is a topic we have not covered yet or something that you think is very important in the educational realm today, we would love to hear from you and we would love to mention you as, as the originator of that topic on our podcast. So in closing, um, Jesus, thank you so much for joining us today and, and uh, showcasing how some amazing things you're doing in your classroom can really translate into next generation skills. As always, Kyle, thank you so much for being um, you know, the, the, the innovator of the group and, and uh, to, to uh, open up about, you know, uh, challenges that, 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 that face you and, and others in the classroom. And thank you listeners once again for being a part of our podcast today. Um, we, we, we truly, truly, truly do this for you. We do this for the love of education and we do this for the love of students. So thank you again. Thank you for being innovators. Thank you for ditching that fear. Thank you for being a member of the, of the EdTech Army. And, and as always, thank you for being a teacher because this world would never, ever, ever um, be as important as it is without you in it. Because teachers are the most important people in the history of our planet, especially today. Thank you so much. Thank you for the time and thank you for everything. And we will have a great afternoon. Thank you. Thank you, guys.